Thanks for downloading this podcast from RNIB Connect Radio. Now here at RNIB Connect Radio, we're always interested in hearing people's journey with sight loss. And recently at the RNIB Connect Conference in Birmingham, I met up with Robin Dunford. Robin has been visually impaired from birth, but has recently had an operation that has dramatically changed the way he can see. And he joins me on the line now to tell us more. Robin, thank you so much for joining me today. Now, tell us a bit about your sight condition. Well, it's a collection of a few things, really, Jill. I mean, I have uh, corneal ulcers, cataracts, and uh, collarbone with the iris. Although I did have the cataract, which I'd had all my life removed back in uh, July of this year. So in that case, were you born completely blind? No, I was born with no vision at all in my left eye. And I had a small amount in my right eye when I was born. In my early years, I mean, I could read normal print at a very close range. is probably the best my vision's ever been, sort of up until the age of probably late teens, I guess. So tell us a bit about school then. Did you go to a specialist school? Well, when I started uh, the first primary school I went, it was just a mainstream school, and that I did right up until the age of 11. And then from 11 till when I left school, I went to the uh, West of England School for the Parsley Sighted in uh, Exeter, which in those days was just for uh, Parsley Sighted people, but there was no uh, blind pupils there at all. And how did your, your experience compare with being at a uh, mainstream primary school? I mean, was it was it quite a culture shock going from, you know, nobody in your class having a visual impairment to all of a sudden being around boys and girls that, that were in exactly the same boat as you? It was different, I guess. When I was very young, I didn't take too much notice of when I was going to the mainstream. I went to the school for the visually impaired. Although there was no blind people there, we all had varying degrees of eyesight. And it was nice to be able to speak to people, you know, that had the, you know, similar type problems, I guess, you know, which you didn't have a chance to before, you know, at that sort of young age. Did you find it easier being around boys and girls that, that you know, had, had a sight impairment rather than being at a mainstream school? Because I know a lot of people we talk to, Robin, will say that, that, you know, they went to mainstream primary or they went to a mainstream secondary and, and, you know, kind of bullying set in because obviously, you know, children don't realise that sight loss is, is so serious and so kind of uh, life-changing. At, at that age, it's not something that, that people of adult age would be sympathetic or empathetic to so a lot of the people we've spoken to in the past have been bullied because of their sight loss I don't remember receiving that sort of thing to be honest to you I think I got on most well with most of the children in those days I mean I'm going back a long time now if you're talking of the 1960s sort of thing you know so maybe things might have been different then I'm not sure but uh, as regards coping there wasn't a huge amount of help in those days regarding doing lessons and things like that. I used to have to walk backwards and forwards to the blackboard, which it was in those days, you know, to see what was written, you know. So it's quite basic, really, compared to the way things are now. So how about work then? When you left school, did you find it quite easy to get a job or was it difficult to get a job? Well, actually, I was very fortunate, really, Jill, because, I mean, I left school back in 1974 and I got a job within about two weeks, I think it was. And I guess in those days... It was easier to find work than what it is now, I think, in, in general, depending on where you live, I guess. 
Then I got a job, you know, working in a company called RH Technical Industries, which manufactured nameplates to go on things like washing machines, computers, TVs, all sort of type, types of things, really, you know. And I was in employment then for best about 21 years, so uh, that's how I progressed, really. Well, it's incredible. You know, you had a great job for for all that time. But unfortunately, uh, you know, with the way the economy went at the time, the company actually closed down, didn't it? And you lost your job. That's correct, yes. That was back in 1994. So it seems a long time ago now. And then after that, uh, I tended to go to different things like job club, job club workshops, and all the type of things that many visually impaired people do. And then I ended up going to... The RNIB College in Torquay was in those days, which was back in, oh my gosh, 1998, doing like a three-month course where I learned to touch type and word processing, which I'd never done. So I learned to do all those type of things, which I never had a chance to really when I was at school, you know. And you haven't really had the opportunity to work since, have you? I mean, you, you've tried to get jobs. And this must be really frustrating, actually, to walk out of school uh, back then and, and straight into a job, pretty much, and then to work in an industry for 21 years and then lose your job because the company closes down and then not to be able to find a job. You're obviously a skilled worker. It almost seems like it was easier to get a job back then than it is nowadays which to me seems a bit crazy, actually, yeah, you, because you should th- you would think it would be getting better. Yeah, you'd think it would be the other way around, really, wouldn't you? You know, the, everything's available nowadays compared to what it was, but I guess probably to do with the way the country was at the time, maybe. I'm not totally sure, really. And maybe there's more help for visually impaired people now, so I guess there's more people in our circumstance also looking for work than there might have been in those days, maybe. Not totally certain, really. I think there's more students, there's more people around. I think, you know, there's so much competition now for jobs that it's not just disabled people that are struggling. I think a lot of fully able-bodied people struggle to get work as well. Uh, but here in, like, in Hereford, there's the Technical College, which is about, I think there's about 7,000 students going there. And there's not a huge amount of employment in the city, really. Not, not big employers. I mean, I wonder how a lot of them are going to get jobs, to be honest, you know. I mean, a lot of them go on to university, you know, but even then having a degree doesn't ensure you a job, does it? Oh, no, it certainly doesn't, unfortunately. Unfortunately not. Now, obviously, you know, you are still looking for a job, but uh, it's not the only thing you're up to at the moment. You've been through a series of operations recently, haven't you? Tell us a bit about them. Well, I first started going to Moorfields Eye Hospital back in 2003, as I'd been referred there from Dorchester eye hospital because they said they couldn't do anything else for me. But after going for a consultation in Moorfield, they decided it might be possible to do a corneal partial graft, which was back in 2003. And I had this done, and uh, it made a lot of difference to my vision because at the time I could barely see anything, really. Everything was so foggy. And that gave me good vision for the best part of 10 years, I suppose, until three years ago when my vision started to get worse again. And then I had a full corneal graft just over two and a half years ago, and that made some difference, but not a huge, wasn't entirely successful. And then uh, my vision carried on getting worse again until this year, where they decided they might be able to do quite a new type of surgery called a, a vitreolensectomy, where they were able to remove the cataract from my eye, which I've had all my life, 
and also take out the lens, which had been uh, very cloudy and obscuring my vision as well. And since the last three months now, it's been a very big improvement in my distance vision, which has made life you know, so much easier, really. Now, I know you've used the long cane for many years. Are you still having to use the cane, or can you get around pretty much without a mobility aid now? In my local area, around the city of Hereford, I can get around no problem now without using the cane. But if I go down to London for my hospital appointments, or like when I went to the R&IB Connect Birmingham, then I take my cane in and I use it uh, in un- unfamiliar uh, circumstances, you know. Well, yes, I suppose, you know, after using it pretty much all your life, it must be one of those things that, that I can only imagine. I don't know what I'd do now if I got my sight back, uh, how I'd feel about going out without my guide dog or holding onto somebody's arm. I'm, I'm so used to it now. Yeah, you've got to adjust it to it, really, Jill, yeah. uh, yeah, oh, very much so, very much so. Don't get me wrong, I would love to get my sight back, but yes, yeah. at the same time, I think I'd I'd honestly be kind of looking for my guide dog every time no, I, no. I walked out the door. Now, you mentioned the RNIB Connect conference down in Birmingham, which was a super, super event, and that is, of course, where we met. That's and we right. had a great chat down there, we really did. You're thinking of becoming a connector, an RNIB connector, aren't you? I've been involved now over the last sort of, since Christmas, I guess, the helping the co-production manager with uh, sorting out the new look pages for the online form website, you know. I've been giving feedback regarding this, and it's still ongoing, really, you know, because it's not happening running yet, but uh, we'll be over the next couple of months. So. Well, that's fantastic. It really is. And it's not the only thing you told me when we were down there. We had a, we had a great old chin wag, and uh, you recently had a really bad accident, didn't you? You, you actually fell and uh, your head went through railings. Yes, that was back two years ago now. Uh, or, yeah, about two, two and a half years ago now, nearly. At uh, Hay on Why, I'd been to the musical festival there and was walking home along the pavement, which I thought was flat, but unfortunately there was two steps at the end of it where I slipped and it must have been like a freak accident, really, because the way I fell, I just ended up knelt on the pavement my head uh, uh, through the railings, you know. And uh, luckily there was more or less, there were hundreds of people, about four or five people came to help me and uh, they had to wait for the fire engines to come to cut me free eventually, which was about the best part of an hour and a half. And, uh, and then I was taken to Worcester Hospital where they cut a small piece of the fragment of the railings out of my cheek. So luckily there was no lasting damage, but uh, it was pretty scary at the time, you know. It must have been terrifying, Robin. I mean, I'm just trying to imagine the situation for myself. And, and you know, when you can't really see, particularly in the dark, um, and something like that happens, and uh, then you, you actually passed out, didn't you? I mean, the you were unconscious. The worst part was when they were cutting me three, because I think it was the noise more than anything, you know, the cutters, you know. And I'd had two doses of morphine as well. So I started sort of like a loose night, really, you know. But... Uh, and the next thing I knew, I woke up and I was in the ambulance, you know, going to the hospital. I think it must have been about an hour later. It was quite, a, quite scary, really. And, you know, when you think, I mean, luckily you weren't left with any lasting damage, but when you think, I mean, where this shard of metal could have actually punctured in your face, it, it's just incredible that, that, you know, there wasn't more damage. Well, it was, really. I mean, like I said, if, if you walked along the same piece of pavement again, the chance of it happening would be probably a million to one away. But, you know, I fell, really, but just one of those things, I guess. But but I'm here to tell the tale, so... 
You are indeed. And I tell you, Robin, you're, you're such an inspiration. You really are. It hasn't put you off going out or, you know, for, for a lot of blind people, it must be very frightening when something like that happens or something very scary happens. I know I've had scary things happen in my life where I've thought, do you know what? I just want to spend the rest of my life curled up in my bed in the safety of my own home. But you can't do that. You've got to get up and get out there keep, again. Keep plowing on, really, you haven't you, know? Oh, you do indeed. And now that you've become an RNIB connector, you're going out there to spread the word around the blind community and, and get people more involved with RNIB. So it's absolutely brilliant. You That's really are an inspiration, you know. Robin. Thank you very much, Joe. Well, thank you so much for joining us on RNIB Connect Radio today and telling us your story. And the very best of luck for the future. Well, thank you very much, Joe. For more downloads like these, visit rnibconnectradio.org.uk slash podcasts.